Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast, the only podcast where we geeks drink and then we discuss geek topics every week. Today I'm joined by a special guest, the incomparable, beautiful Megan. Hello. Adam unfortunately couldn't make it today. He is a little bit under the weather, so we wish him a speedy recovery. And Megan's going to fill in for him today. Yep, I'm going to do my best. All right, I doubt, I don't doubt that you'll do a good job. But before we get started today, folks, on our topic and our drink, we're going to talk about where you can find us, follow us, subscribe to us, like us, listen to us on all major podcast platforms at Have a Drink with Some Geeks, and follow us on social media at Geek Drink Pod. And with that being said, I think, Megan, it's time for us to have our drink of the week. Let's do it. All right. Time to grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. Today's drink of the week is Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. I've had it before. I know you haven't, Megan. You don't believe me. That's going to be delicious. It doesn't smell like peanut butter. It just smells like whiskey. Really, I smell the peanut butter. Do you? Yeah. I, I guess I can't smell it, so. All right. Well, let's, cheers. Let's try it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's definitely peanut buttery. I like it. I told you you would. Yeah. You kept saying, oh, it's not going to taste enough like peanut butter for me. Oh, that'd be really good in, like, coffee or something. Coffee, hot chocolate. Yeah, whatever. Breakfast. Breakfast? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Hold on there. All right. Well, that being said, um, I guess that means it's time for us to talk about our topic of the week. Let's do it. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? All right, so folks, um, our topic of the week is kind of something that, um, not that I wouldn't do it with Adam, but Adam hasn't really watched enough of the new Trek to really be able to discuss Star Trek in general. He's watched a lot of the older stuff um, pre-2016, uh, 2015. So with that being said, I think I gave it away. Our topic of the week this week is new Star Trek. So we're talking about Star Trek Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Prodigy, and Lower Decks. Yeah, there's been a lot of new shows coming out recently, and I think that I've been a huge fan of Star Trek for a really long time, so, you know, Matt and I just decided to start watching all these new shows, and in my opinion, I think they're amazing. Yeah, and and so for for those of you who don't know, when, when at the time of recording, so we've seen Four seasons of Discovery now, two seasons of Picard, the final season coming up next month, or next year, I should say, in a couple months. Three seasons of Lower Deck, a season of Prodigy that's almost over, and a season of uh, Strange New World. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been a lot of Trek, and that's almost as much Trek that we got from 1986-87 when TNG came out to 2005 when Enterprise was finally canceled. Um, so, Megan, well, before we get jumping really hard into this topic, tell us... What got you into Star Trek? So my stepdad actually got me into Star Trek. Um, I would just stay up really late at night and watch Voyager. So Voyager was my first kind of introduction into Star Trek, and it's still my favorite show of all time, even though you disagree with me on that. 
Okay, I mean, I don't, I, I disagree with that. I don't think it's the best Star Trek from the earlier Treks. Um, I, 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 I said this in the first episode when we talked about what made me a geek, and you know, Deep Space Nine is really my Trek. Um, the one that really got me heavily involved in Trek more than Next Gen did. Um, but I mean, Voyager was good. I enjoy Voyager. Yeah, I think I just like it because I've always had that as my first experience into Star Trek, and so I just hold it as high in my heart as it is for anything else. Um, I mean, obviously, I saw, you know, Deep Space Nine with you. You kind of brought that to me, and I really loved that show. Um, But when it really comes down to it, Voyager's still my favorite. That's okay. I mean, to each their own, to each their own trek. And I think that's kind of one of the things that we'll talk about later on, and and maybe even towards the middle of this this podcast is, you know, I think, and we've discussed it before, um, in Star Trek today, you have a lot of people who are very decisive that new Star Trek isn't Star Trek. And yeah. we'll, we'll talk about how we both disagree with that, I think, yeah. uh, for the most part. But, you know, we'll kind of break down each series a little bit. So um, I think the big one in the room to talk about that started this revolution of Star Trek in in today's era um, is Star Trek Discovery. Yes. So, so, Megan, tell me, what's your initial thoughts on Star Trek Discovery? Um, when I... First started watching it, I it was kind of a new territory for me, um, just because the Klingons looked a little bit different than I'm used to them looking. Um, the storyline was just kind of weird to begin with. Um, it just started off with so much tra- tragedy in, in the beginning, and then it kind of went into the storyline. So I feel like the first few episodes, I, it was very confusing for me, but I... I ended up really liking Discovery after that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... the And for me, I, Discovery is a little bit more of a different beast because I was a little bit more familiar with the original series than you were. Yeah. So I kind of understood that it took place, at least the first season, first season or two, was five or six years pre-original series. So you've got a younger Spock, you've got a younger Sarek, um, and you've got... Ships that quite don't look what they did in the original series. Um, and then you get to season two, where you have Captain Pike, who was an, the original original pilot. Yeah. You've got Spock, number one, and those kind of things. I will say, I think for me, the only thing I really wasn't a big fan of in season one was it felt like they tried to get through this Klingon war really fast. And then they real- and then they realized, oh, we've got a few extra episodes to fill. So let's go to the Mirror Universe. Yeah, and I, I feel like Star Trek, no matter where you go with the mirror end of your mirror in universe, I feel like it can be either really interesting or it just doesn't go along with the plot line. Because I felt that way with um, Deep Space Nine. I felt like their mirror universe was not really following a plot line. No, I think, I mean, a couple episodes here and there were decent, but towards the end there, there's just like, we have to have a Mirror Universe episode this season. Just, yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Um, I thought Enterprise did a great job with Mirror Universe, where they actually had, like, it explains where, and you, like I said, you know, you never really watched the original series, um, but in the Enterprise, two episodes in Mirror Darkly, they discover the normal universe is U.S. to find from 100 years in the future. Okay. And it ties into an original series episode where the Defiant disappears in the defiance the same kind of ship as the enterprise yeah so it kind of ties into that and he mentioned that and discovered like oh the defiant came from your universe in the future yeah and that's how we got our technology beefed up faster yeah so i mean that's cool they tied that part in 
Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I think that Star Trek does an amazing job um, having continuity from, you know, from different series. And so kind of you get little Easter eggs here and there. And I do think that some of it can be a little bit fan service, but I think that they do really a good job of following up on another season's kind of loose end, which is kind of cool mm-hmm. in a way. Um, I think that you can see that in pretty much every single <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. I think the only time you, you really don't see that too much is the first few seasons of Next Gen because they're trying to distance themselves from the original series. Yeah. When they realize then they have to kind of start tying it in for more fans to watch. And let's be honest, the first season, next gen, first two seasons is rough. Rough to watch. It's boring. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. just be honest. It's boring. I mean, it's like DS9. The first couple of seasons of DS9 was a little hard to watch. Well, I think that with DS9, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, DS9 was like the first serial episodes. But I feel like the first two seasons weren't very serial. No, they had They were bits kind of bouncy, yeah. roundy. Yeah. So, you know... We went, kind of, you know, the first two seasons of Discovery, you know, a little bit of a departure, but you still have kind of the serialized Star Trek that we're, we're seeing now with a lot of TV shows in these shorter seasons. What do you think, what do you think about these shorter condensed seasons? I think you get a lot of content for what you get. I feel like they are definitely trying to put an entire storyline into, you know, 10, 12 episodes but you're also getting, you know, the just the storyline is more progressed. I feel like the graphics are better. I feel like you're getting more of what you would expect from Star Trek now than what you would expect from Star Trek in Next Gen or the original. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, one of the things that New Trek is kind of nice about that they didn't do in Old Trek was... You know, they did 26 episodes and they had a limited budget. And there's certain episodes you can tell where they had to do a, what they call a bottle show, where they had to make sure the f- story focused only on the ship and no extra characters and no new sets and no new graphics. And it's yeah. very much a contained story. And now you're getting these 10, 12, 14 episode seasons where they have the money they could spend on 26 episodes and give you a lot more production quality, like almost movie quality. Yeah, and they also have to think about it. Um, you know, because a lot of these shorter episodes are making the fans want more, so they're having to do more seasons, which is great. We love more seasons. Um, but I I just think that it's really, um, you have to have your story straight okay. from season to season to season, so you have to have it planned out accordingly. Yeah, and we can talk a little about that when we get to Picard, I think that's I yeah. think that's coming there. I, yeah, Picard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, Discovery being the most, I, I wouldn't say the most, the furthest along series so far because we've had four seasons and the fifth just wrapped up in production and we'll get it soon. What what do you think of the later seasons of Discovery now, especially with the thousand year time jump? So I think this is where you and I differ. I really like the, the models, the um, ship models. I think it's really interesting. I'm enjoying seeing Starfleet in the future and spoilers, you know, Starfleet kind of went away. Like most civilizations went away with the big boom. Um, So I think it's just interesting to see that Starfleet was still trying to make it, but didn't make it very well. And then just trying to 
um, come back and rebuild Starfleet to what it was. And having Discovery come in and being like, hey, this is what we used to be, and this is what you should be, so let's do it. And just kind of being the forerunner for that, I just think is really cool. Yeah. You know, and I don't disagree with you in that aspect. It's nice because Discovery was taking place before the original series. I think that's some of the issues Enterprise had was it's a prequel, so you can't jump the gun and introduce things that aren't introduced till later on. Right. Um, you know, and Discovery, I think they had to do some sort of time jump because they've introduced the Enterprise in season two. They've introduced Spock. They've introduced... Well, and the Spore Drive, too. I mean, yeah. you never saw anything with the Spore Drive in any no. other, you know, season. Like, you don't see... Even in Voyager, they never talked about a Spore Drive. No. It's always a warp drive. Yeah. And, you know, they... They had to do that, I think, to get out of their own way because now you're going to start running into continuity issues. Like, oh, well, Discovery's doing this. Why isn't Enterprise helping out? Because Enterprise is the flagship. They're right. the, yeah. the cool ship. Um, so I think that helped. I think they went a little too far in the future. It would have been nice to see him jump maybe a little ahead of where Picard's at to kind of continue the story because Star Trek's always kind of had, besides the jump between the original series and Next Gen, there's always been, okay, this series ending, but the series starting, so it's buttoned up against each other and it continues yeah. the story of the future um but at the same time we have this huge gap that we can fill in later yeah right um so i i let's move on to the next series a little bit initial thoughts about picard so i really struggled with picard and i feel like it was the writing um and the other thing that i really didn't like about it i mean i loved picard i did i loved seeing john luke picard come back i thought that was really cool i love him as an actor great but what I didn't like about it is that it wasn't revolving around Picard. It was revolved around another storyline. And I thought that the way that he delivered lines was a little bit strained. I feel like it wasn't natural. Yeah, I think the writing was a little bit challenging because they're trying to write for Picard who is older and has, in in a way, almost been betrayed by Starfleet. Because yeah. they're, they're not going with the values that he's used to and, and saving the Romulans. Um, I did like how they tried to wrap up a little bit of his guilt from the last movie and Data dying on his behalf and taking yeah. one for the team. I did like that. I wish it would have not had to do with more androids that yeah. were created from his... You know, it was just a weird, complicated storyline that I think they could have done differently. I, I will say that I... Like, like you, I agree. I like that he came back. He wanted to do this. He wanted to put some closure to the character, uh, you know. And, and Patrick Stewart's an old, old man. He's almost as old as William Shatner is. Yeah, but, I mean, he's a Shakespearean actor. And so I think that if they would have just let him just be John Luke Picard and didn't try to um, control what he was saying, I think that he would have had a better acting yeah, experience. I think, I think part of it, too, is... The, the service the show did to Patrick Stewart and his character was they didn't put him back on a starship. True. He wasn't commanding a starship, so he didn't have that authoritative voice that we're all used to. Right. It'd be like seeing Captain Sisko not give orders. Right. And that's why I think I liked him better in season two is because he was part of... He was, a, you know, ahead yeah. of the ship, you know. He had authority. Um, and it was a whole entire storyline on the back end. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, the, the first season I just really struggled through. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a good comeback if they focused more on what happened with, um, the Romulans 
and they weren't really focused on the android part of it. I feel like they just focused really heavily on one character, one trying, character. To, trying to get to her and and yeah. I think and that's the other thing I didn't I wasn't a big fan of between you know, and as much as I like the sh- I do like the show. I think that they didn't do a good job connecting season one and season two. No. They, they felt didn't. like two different shows. Right. But they did bring my girl back. Seven of nine. Uh, every they fan, brought her back. Every fanboy, <laughs> and every 90s fanboy's dream. Seven of nine. I mean, she still looks good. I mean, she does. She looks amazing. <laughs> so, and here's a fun thing I was going to bring up later, but I think it's a good time to bring up now. Rumor is season three is almost, a, they're going to continue some DS9 storylines from the Dominion War, they said. It's going to be almost a continuation of DS9 a little bit. Interesting. They talked to, from what I've read from the showrunner and his interviews on Twitter and stuff, that he's going, they wanted to follow with some of war, what happened to him after the war kind of stuff, and why he is what he is now. Okay, so, but are they going to talk about what happened with Crusher and him? I mean, there was so much sexual tension for such a long time. <laughs> because you, so there was one episode, you probably have never, because you never finished TNG. There's no. an episode in TNG where they can read each other's thoughts. Oh. And they're stuck in a cave together, like a little tight space. Oh. Yeah. That might be difficult. Yeah. I mean, but he, but Picard also likes Laris now. Or Laris, how do you say her name? Yeah, Laris, yeah. Um, the one thing I I am, I, I, and this is my other thought about Picard, Picard very much feels like a fan service show. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, we got cameos from Riker and Troy in the first oh, season. Yeah. Data. Um, season Seven of Nine. Seven of Nine. Q. Next season, we'll have the entire original cast back again, minus uh, Data, because he's dead again. Um, spoiler alert, he dies twice. <laughs> um, so I think, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how they wrap up his story in season three. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I really hope they they do a good job with it, and I really hope it, it kind of spawns more a sequel series because they're talking the fans really want to see a Raffi seven of nine series now. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be interesting. I think so that they going to be in, on her own ship and have her, her own ship. Yeah. I think they have a lot of chemistry. So I think that they can definitely go with that. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Picard definitely the first season I think was kind of a miss. And I think the second season kind of made up for it. Yeah. Especially bringing back Q and Q just messing stuff up like he normally does. But also kind of ending the Q story as well. Yeah, it was nice to see the Q story. Because John Delancey, who plays Q, I mean, phenomenal actor. Phenomenal actor. But he's getting old. He's getting old. And Q yeah. isn't supposed to age. So it's kind of no. nice to figure out a way to kill off Q. But not really kill him. But not really kill him and, and age him in a good way. Yeah. Um, and here's another fun story. I, I, I found out about John Delancey, who plays Q. And when he was on Voyager, which is one of your favorite shows, before, um, before he even went on Voyager's Q... Him and Kate McGrew, who plays Captain Janeway, are actually really good friends. And so she organized a dinner with him, herself, and the producers of Voyager. Kind of like, oh, yeah, we're all here. How weird. We're having dinner together. You should probably put him on my show. That's awesome. Yeah. Because he's such a great actor. He is. He, he's just a great actor. It's a good, it's a good it, character. It's a great character. I even, I think I liked him more in Voyager than I did on DS, on uh, TNG, though. I do, too, just because of their chemistry between each other and uh-huh. how annoyed she was. <laughs> <laughs> how flirtatious he is. And I remember my favorite scene with him is when he is trying to convince her to let the other Q come back to the continuum so mm-hmm. they can imprison him. 
and he just pops into her bathtub fully dressed. Yep. And she just puts her foot in his mouth like, no. No. <laughs> she was awesome. So, all right, so let's move on to the third series out of the five. Yep. Lower Decks. Lower Decks is amazing. So many Easter eggs in it. Every single episode has an Easter egg. But at the same time, it's Star Trek making fun of itself, which is just awesome. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate that because you never really had Star Trek being able to take light of itself. No, and because Star Trek is very serious. Yeah. And here it is. It's a funny comedy show, but it doesn't ruin Star Trek. No. It still has the same basic principles of Star Trek, same basic principles of Starfleet. But at the same time, they're having fun and they're messing stuff up. And and you get to see another yeah. class of ship. Instead of seeing the flagship, you get to see... The just, lowest rank. Yeah, just the lowest the rank. Sh- the crappiest ship. ship out there. <laughs> yeah. with, and, and the thing I like about that is... And it kind of is something Discovery did that I wasn't a big fan of. You know, Discovery had Michael Burnham, who isn't even the captain or first officer right. of, the sh- of the ship at the very beginning. She's... She's first officer of the mutiny, and then she's just a specialist with no, not even a badge or a rank. Right. And then she's finally made, she gets a rank, but she's still not first officer for the next season. No. And then she's first officer, now she's captain, which I'm not really a big fan of her as a captain yet. Yet. No. Yeah. I don't know. I liked Saru as a captain, for I sure. I did. I liked Saru a lot. I was kind of skeptical about him as a captain, but like when he started actually being a captain, I was like, okay, he he's learned. Cool. He learned how to be captain in front of us, I think. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, And he learned from Pike. And Which we'll get to that. amazing. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I like about Lower Decks is it's the ensigns, it's the grunt workers of the ship, and it's always what they call the B-plot line. So the A-plot line is what we usually watch in Star Trek, and the B-plot line is like the little silly stuff like in Voyager when Neelix is doing his little goofy thing on the side, you right. know? Yeah. But now we're going to see that as a main story, yeah. and, the, and, the, and the major plot point that would be a focus of a normal episode is like, oh yeah, yeah, someone's shooting the ship and... and Holograms are taking over, but let's focus on, you know, the absurd part of the plot line. I know. It's like everybody's shooting the ship and they're sitting there, like, cleaning out, like, hamburgers from the DeSalles or something yeah. like that. It's, yeah. just, it's just hilarious. It's just ridiculous. It is. And I, I really like, I, I think the characterization is kind of good. I really wish they would do something with Rutherford and Tendi because there's that sexual chemistry. Definitely. I think she feels it more than he does. I don't think Ruther- Rutherford has any kind of feelings about things i think he's kind of like a vulcan where he's just he wants to do his work but he also wants to have fun but he's not yeah mature enough maybe to recognize that she likes yeah him. you're probably right i don't even think she recognizes that she likes him no which is really good friends yeah. yeah but i mean the three seasons we've got so far i mean and that's the thing i like about the show is it could be like a simpsons where we never really have to get rid of it because they're cartoons so they don't yeah. really age you right. know so, who knows? And they can continue to make fun of themselves for oh, forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, forever. And you can still bring on cameos and guest stars from other series who normally would have aged out of those roles, i.e., you know, why Brent Spiner left the Data role because he was... Older. He was getting a second chin, and Data's not supposed to get a second chin. Sorry, Brent Spiner. <laughs> yeah. Um, Riker kind of got fat. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing. You can bring these characters back to younger selves without having to... De-age them or CGI which is just it. Horrible. Still, I mean, it's getting better, but it is. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. argue that, and you'll hate me for bringing him up. But Samuel L. Jackson in the Marvels movie when they DCG they made him young, but that's a, one of the few exceptions. Why, why did you bring up Samuel? L. Jackson? I know you hate Samuel L. Jackson. I just—he's the same person in every single movie, <laughs> every single movie. Uh, <laughs> but we digress. We digress. So, all right. So we talked about lower decks. Let's talk about um, prodigy. 
Yeah, and so, like, that's where I was going to go with Kate Milgrew. I mean, she is much older now. Yeah. I mean, we saw her in Orange is the New Black, but, um, you know, in there, she looked a lot older. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and you got to think Voyager ended in 2001, so it's been 21 years since yeah. Voyager ended. But, I mean, they were still able to bring on Kate Milgrew as what she would look like in Voyager days. But at the same time, bring Janeway back as an admiral in the older kind of look. Yeah. But you can do that with a cartoon. Oh, yeah. So And, and you know, and we talked about this last night when we watched the latest episodes. We're only a few episodes away from the end of the season. That took way too long to show because they take all these breaks for all the adult yeah. shows. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. Yeah. It was, it's just amazing if the show is all the other ones. Yeah. You know, it, it, for me, it kind of feels like an Avatar show where it's, it's geared towards kids, but it's still really in that adult audience. Oh, definitely. I think that it was a little kitty in the first few episodes, um, but I think it's really coming into its own. The kids are older. There's more serious plot lines that are going on. But at the same time, I think I think that if a younger kid watches it, I don't think that they would be upset or confused no. or anything like that because it, it, there are adult themes, but I think they bring it back in a sort of finesse to make it good for you the know, kids, it, too. You know, it reminds me of... A good, no, I guess it doesn't remind me of it. it to me, they kind of sh- they're showing it as so it, it you know they designed it for a younger audience. You know, yeah. for someone in in kindergarten, maybe a little older, right? To learn what Star Trek is at the same time, these kids are learning what Star Trek is. Yeah, you know, they're learning what it means to be Starfleet and how to help people. And yeah. you know, I did like that episode where they will use archive voice footage from. Leonard Nimoy, Nichelle Nichols, and all these yeah. people who have died, but you can still bring them back. And that's exactly what we talked about. Yeah. It's great when you have something like that. Yeah. It's really hard to, you know, de-age somebody, but cartoon is forever. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and it's also kind of um, bringing back, you know, I think that you and I are also Star Wars fans. And so Star Trek come, kind of doing the same thing where they're coming up with these cartoons. We loved... Rebels and Clone Rebels Wars. And Clone Wars, which were just amazing. And they were geared towards kids, but they furthered the storyline. And you're seeing a lot of those people actually in the real-life movies, the real-life shows. And so if you are a huge Star Wars fan, you can see those. I feel like Star Trek is kind of yeah. trying to go into that. And I think and I think you're starting to see it now with Prodigy as this first season ends. The same way you saw it with Clone Wars and Rebels. The first season is geared a little bit towards that younger audience, but they kind of start hit, realizing what their demographic is and it's shifted slowly. Because so, I'll say the last season of Clone Wars was definitely not kid-themed. No. No. But I think that it also grew up with the kids as well. Yeah, kind of like Harry Potter. Yeah, definitely. I feel like those kids that watched Clone Wars when it came out to the last season, which just came out, like, what, last year? Yeah. Um, I feel like those kids have grown up and that they would expect to see, you know, kind of a, a finish to their storyline. Yeah. And it should be, you know, more violent because of just the times that it's set in. Yeah. More violent. I think just more, there's more gravitas in that show. Yes, definitely. Um, so let's move on to second to last one. Cause I skipped one star Trek before we when we were talking about it. Let's talk about strange new worlds, strange new worlds. I love Pike. I mean, he is great. I and mean, Anson Mount was th- the best casting choice. He really was. Ethan Peck's doing a pretty good Spock. Not the best Spock, I've, I've, I will say, but I like him. I, don't, I think he does a really good job. Yeah, I think actually, I almost would say he's still a little bit better than Zachary Quinto. Eh, 
from the new Star Treks movies. I think they're kind of even. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do like, and for me, because I've, I've watched the original series, there's a lot of throwbacks to some some original series stuff, like Dr. Mbenga, who mm-hmm. was in the first few episodes of original series. Yeah. Um, I really like, and, and I had to kind of talk to you and show it to you, the season finale of this first season was a kind of a what if episode of what happened in the original series, but now you put Pike in the shoes instead of Kirk. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, I think the one thing I like about strange new worlds, you know, obviously I think Anson Mount is a fantastic captain. Pike I think is now my, one of my favorite captains. Yeah. Um, one thing I liked that they did was they were able to update the enterprise for today's audience, but still make it look like the original Enterprise. Yeah, still have, like, the analog and just, yeah, the old kind of look. The, even the um, the uniforms were still kind of an older retro type of yeah, look. Yeah, you know, and we talked about this watching the show. I like how the set pieces, like, in the quarters and the fireplaces and the chairs definitely felt like it came out of the 60s. Definitely. Like, and someone I- just took a catalog from Sears and was like, let's put this in the Enterprise. But they obviously um, explained it really well, too, where, mm-hmm. you know... Discovery has a different, you know, uniform than the Enterprise does, but they explain it. Oh, in the first, in the first episode of season two of Discovery, yeah. I just, because I'm rewatching season two right now when I'm on my work from home days, and they're like, oh, look, this is where Starfleet spends the money on these new ships, and the Enterprise crew members are like, yeah, well, we got the new uniforms. I know. <laughs> Even though they look worse than the Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they look great on the cast. I'm just saying that they look way different. Hmm. You would look more futuristic in the discovery ones yeah. and would in the enterprise ones. Well, and I, and here's what I will, I will say something that's kind of controversial. People don't agree with me on too much. One thing I liked about enterprise, the TV show was their uniforms were like jumpsuits. And that's why I think you would wear in space. If you're working in a spaceship. Yeah. Versus these two piece shirts where John Luke always has to tug on it. Cause it's a little too tight, a little form fitting. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, you know, I think we've only had a season, and it's nice because they're doing something that we haven't seen in Star Trek, where it's not serialized. Each episode's independent of the other, but there's little pieces in each episode that tie them all together. Yeah. There's, like, a longer backstory of everything that will culminate, hopefully, as time goes on. But we're going to have these... kind of already do, though. Yeah. I mean, they do. We had the Gorn, the whole Gorn yeah. issue with um, Ortega, not Ortega's, um, the tactical officer, Soong. Yes. Yeah, Not soon. Yeah. Noonian. She's a relative. She's a descendant of Khan. Yeah. You know, we have some of those those stories. You have the story with number one that she's a genetically modified alien. Yep. But I mean, you also have these independent stories, one offs every episode that Voyager did very well, and Next Gen, and those earlier series did. Yeah. Um. So one track we didn't bring up when we talk about the the modern tracks, and one track I wish they'd remake again. Short tracks. Yeah, they were interesting. Mm. I I don't know. I I mean, I know they got rid of them because of COVID, and they just couldn't focus on these short little stories. I liked them because they filled in gaps that we really need filled in, but they're just fun. Ten-minute stories. Like the whole Tribbles episode, how they actually and accidentally created these Tribbles yeah. that caused issues in other series. Yeah, that was interesting. And then what was the other one with the, the, the space... Little dot robot in the in yeah, the tardigrade. It was kind of yeah. animated. And they went through all the Enterprise's life. Yeah, that was a fun one as well as um, 
the one that kind of almost sets up a card with the when the androids are attacking Mars, and it's, uh, there's almost no word spoken in the whole episode, and those two girls are picking on each other. Yeah. And it turns out their parents died in the attack, and at the end of the episode, they're friends and warning and consoling each other. Yeah. I mean, I wish they bring. I wish they bring him back. It's a fun way to fill in the gaps between seasons while you wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's necessary. I feel like there's so many other things that you can watch. I mean, look at all that Marvel's coming out with. Look at what's all coming off of with um, Star Wars, and I just feel like there's just a lot for you to to focus yeah, on. There so is. You kind of have to pick and choose what you're gonna you're gonna watch and. I think that I would much rather focus on, you know, like Picard or Discovery than I would on the short tracks. But that's just me. That's fine. It's fair enough. Um, so kind of now that we've overviewed the the five, I guess, six Star Treks out there right now, um, I think it's a good time for us to move into our next segment, our hot takes. What are they going to say this week? All right, so Megan, you're you're new to the podcast. I mean, you've listened to most of the episodes. Yes. Um, all the episodes. All the episodes. You're a fangirl. I'm a fangirl. <laughs> um, so hot takes. You know, we talk about things that maybe I don't agree with. You may not agree with mine. I may not agree with yours. And maybe our view, our listeners, disagree with us because they're are wild opinions. So, I mean, I'll start with one for you, for an example. And you just said, I would definitely say this. Star Trek Discovery's jump to the future and their new starships. I hate it. I think they're awful. Because they're not attached. But yeah. How do you have a spaceship that has parts of it that float around with it that aren't attached to the rest of the ship? Like the warp engines. They should be attached to the ship. I disagree with you on that. I did think that that was kind of a interesting design flaw. I understand that they were trying to make it where the starships are more movable, kind of like um, Michael Burnham's uh, boyfriend. What's his name? Um, Cleveland Booker. Yeah, Booker. How kind of how Booker's um, ship kind of you know can Great. go into different pieces and move all over the place. I get that that's what they were trying to accomplish, and they're trying to come up with something new, but. I agree. I feel like if you're going to have a starship, how can you have the engines not attached to the ship? It's kind of ridiculous. It's like, hey, my car engine's in the garage, but it's going to drive itself down the street. Explain the physics to me on how that works, Star Trek, please. You know, and I mean, like I said, I think it's cool they jumped in the future a little bit, but some of this is a little too far. Like, I have a transporter built in my combat, and I can just transport anywhere in the ship I want to anytime. That's really cool. Why do you need turbo lifts? That's true. Why do you need turbo lifts? You wouldn't. No. I mean... Because if your transporters go down, I'm sure your turbo lifts are broken too, so what's the point? Gotta walk. You gotta go all the way through the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I can see what you're saying on that. Um, I think that one of my hot takes is just the spore drive for Discovery. Because it's... I, I get that they're trying to do something new, but... I, just in where they were in the timeline, I don't think it was a good idea. No, to and that's, off. I think, another issue I'll have with Discovery. A little bit with Strange New World. Some technology to show is definitely something they didn't have in DS9 exactly. and Voyager. It's like, oh, look, we have um, holograms on your bridge. 
Yeah. And they, they obviously look lower, lower tech on yeah. purpose, but... But they didn't have that in Voyager. They didn't have that... They had one episode of DS9 with that, because yeah. someone thought it up it was an idea and it didn't work well. Yeah, so I just don't understand how come they try to jump through hoops, I guess, that really shouldn't have gone through. Yeah, you look at um, the Section 31 ships, and they have these little drones attached to them that swarm the Enterprise and Discovery in the in the final battle. And it's Yeah, like, that was super cool, though. It was cool to watch. It was definitely cool to watch, but I, I agree with you. It, it's just way far advanced than I think that any other series has ever seen. <laughs> and I get they're trying to update and make it more palatable to modern viewers. Because yeah. let's be honest, if, if we watched Star Trek today and it was set before the original series and they had the bright orange console just push buttons and yeah, it'd be the boring. shit really couldn't move too fast. Yeah, yeah it'd be boring. I get it. It would be I get boring. It. I get it. But, okay, so Discovery is one thing. I think we already discussed this, but my hot take with Picard is that the Delivery of the lines were just horrible in the first season. Just trash. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of his writing, I don't think it was so much the acting. because I don't think it's the actor at all, because no. he's an, amaz- uh, he's no. an amazing actor. He's he been is. an amazing actor in every single anything he's done. You know, and I think another hot take for me, um, and I'll go back a little bit to, um, I guess I'll stick with Picard in this one. One thing that was a hot take for me on Picard is... Dr. Girardi, Allison Pill's character. Yeah. Couldn't stand her. Yeah, I think she's um she's kind of annoying. I think it's her face. <laughs> Allison Pill, we apologize, but it's your face. <laughs> it is. I think it's just that she was just really an annoying character. She was. Um I felt like they did a disservice to her in the writing as well. Because the first part of season one, she's kind of likable. But she has ulterior motives, and she's doing a bad job of covering it. Yeah. And then she kills her boyfriend. And it's just like, what? <laughs> and then, you know, and, but I did like it a little bit in season two towards the end when she became the new Borg queen, and she had that inner discussion with herself and fighting the Borg queen. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I think that she did a great job in season two, definitely at the end, when she became the new Borg queen, I agree. But the first season, she was just really annoying. Yeah. I couldn't stand her character at all. No. And I think part of it, too, is we watched her in the newsroom. And mm-hmm. she was that kind of innocent character. And then you give her in Picard, she's supposed to have a little more grit. And it, was, it was hard to believe. It was. Um, so here's my hot take. And a lot of people are on either side of the fence. And I think it's, it's a very hot subject for Star Trek fans. I like new Star Trek. And I think it fits well into the Star Trek universe. I know a lot of fans out there think new Star Trek isn't Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, I, we've had this discussion with my stepdad a lot, who's kind of introduced me to Star Trek in the in the beginning. He refuses to watch the new Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And it's really annoying to us because it's like, well, this is the new Star Trek, you know, and we're trying to get more fans into our universe. Because out of our friend group, we're the only ones who watch it. Yeah, we are the only ones that watch it. And it's just amazing to see, you know, how Star Trek has progressed and how they're building storylines and I just think it's an amazing thing to have when the last time we saw it was in 2005. Well, you did. I didn't watch Enterprise no, until I, I met until you. No, you met me. Yeah. And I think part of the problem that people are having is the serialized nature of Star Trek. Because you didn't have that. You only had DS9 do that. And the last season or two of Enterprise did that. Mm-hmm. 
And then I think the other people part people have are like, oh, you know, all this emotional drama and all. And I, you know, I read a lot of the fan fan boards and stuff. You oh, they cry in every episode. And excuse me, that's a whiskey burp. Um, Ooh, it, peanut butter. Yeah, peanut butter. And and now that we're drinking apple cider, it's a it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my mouth. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, you know, they're like, oh, it's not Star Trek and. Picard would never do those things, and the Federation wouldn't do these things. It's supposed to be about peace and love, and Gene Roddenberry wanted everyone never to have conflict. And here's why I think those people are making a mistake. Star Trek has always been a story about our society today through a future lens. Yeah. You know, you had the original series was all about what can humanity be if we stop hating each other, if we stop racism, if we stop war, and... You know, um, the the sixth Star Trek movie, the last original cast. What happens when the Berlin Wall comes down and communism ends? Because that was what the Klingons were. They were the communists of the story. How do you make peace with them? Right. Because we were doing that in real life. And I think new Star Trek is doing that now. It's, you know, our our society and our the time we live in is very decisive. Is. You're either on this side of the fence or on that side of the fence. And you're wrong if you're on the other side of the fence. Yes. Um, and we're seeing that in new Star Trek. You saw that in Picard where... He wants to help the Romulans. Is it the right thing? And people in Star Trek are like, no, they're the bad guys. Yeah. How dare you want to help the other people? Yeah. So I think, in my opinion, I think New Star Trek is doing what Star Trek's always done well and is telling a modern story through a future lens. I agree with you. And I, I also think that um, it's just a story about humanity. And humanity, mm-hmm. in general, has conflict. Yeah. To be human is to have conflict. And I think that you can't get away from that. Even if you have a utopian society, I think that you're still going to have conflict, which we're going to see with other societies because people who don't have the same values with you, you're going to have conflict with. Yeah. You know, we're heading off into this strange and, and wondrous galaxy and we're going to find new civilizations. And all of a sudden we're going to be friends. And they're not going to have the same values we have. No. They're not human. No. They have different culture. They have a different society. You're not going to see that. So you're going to have conflict with them. Some people are going to be like, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm all about your mission. While the other people are going to be like, no. Yeah. And I think Star Trek's done a good job of that. You see that today and throughout the world, not just here in the U.S. You see a lot in the world where countries are becoming more nationalistic. This is my country. This is about my people. And you're not my, if you're not in this country, you're not my people. Screw you. You see that a little bit in Star Trek now where, you know, the Federation did that. Hey, you're Romulan. We're not going to help you. You're not You're not Federation. Yeah. Screw you guys. Yeah. Um, so I think they've done a good job with that. And I, I kind of disagree with people who are like, oh, new Star Trek's not Star Trek because of those issues. I don't think so. I, I know a lot of people had issues, and some people still have issues with DS9 because DS9 had a war. And you're not supposed to have war in Star Trek, Gordon Gene Roddenberry, when he created the show. Yeah. But it's like, that's one thing I like about DS9, I guess was it showed the darker side of the Federation. Yeah, we it's paradise. It's all happy-go-lucky. What's going on behind the scenes to keep it happy-go-lucky? Yeah. And to be, you know, and, and I think Spock does a great job of pointing it out in the original series and the movies, you're human. You're going to be corrupt. You're going to have issues. You're going to yeah. have your emotions get in the way of it. And that's, that's another good thing about um, what you're saying to you is that, you know, humans have emotions. And so with, you know, the fans saying, oh, well, it's not Star Trek because they have emotions. I feel like they projected a military-esque type of way in 
this utopian society that they that they made. But as you get into, you know, us being older, as you get into us being um, a society, I think it's okay to show more emotion than it has been in the past. Yeah. And I think that you're just seeing that in those TV shows, you're seeing that coming up is that a lot of things that weren't really okay to show is now okay. Same thing with um, Raf, Rafi, why am I saying her name wrong? Uh, Seven of Nine and um, Rafi, you know, they're, they're lesbians. Yeah. That was not really something that you would see in the original series. No, you had, I mean, the original series groundbreaking is they had the first interracial kiss. Um, the first black woman to be a major character. Yeah, she was on the bridge every episode. Yeah, and she, and that caused a lot of conflict. Yeah. And then now you have, and then you have, you know, I I know TNT had some groundbreaking moments, but more, you know, DS Nine had some more. You had the first lesbian kiss on TV when you had the in the mirror universe. Yep, Dax and Kira kiss. Yep. Um. And you know now in in Discovery you're seeing some transgender characters you're seeing mm-hmm. some some um, gay characters you're seeing some non-binary characters yep. um, you know they're they're evolving with the times and you know and this is something your stepdad said I think is kind of funny and it shows maybe and I wouldn't say bigotry but just how people view Star Trek from who watched it growing up in the sixties versus our generation yeah. you know Sulu in the in the new movies was gay mm-hmm. and your and your stepdad was like oh Sulu's not gay. How do you know? Yeah. Did it's you ever different... see him with a woman? Yeah. Well, he had a kid. Well, true. And, and uh, my excuse is it's a different universe. They've created a new timeline, a new universe. They can do whatever they want. Right. If Sula wants to be gay, Sula wants to be gay. Yeah. I, mean, I just don't see why it matters. No, it doesn't. And me and Adam have talked about that. And it'll probably be an episode that we'll bring you in on is when you get people who are complaining about gay characters who are gay originally or black characters or, um, you know, People didn't have issues with that kind of stuff, and it's kind of sad. It is really sad. Um, one thing I, I, I think I'll finish my last hot take on this, and I kind of talked about it briefly when we were talking about all the shows. I'm not a big I, I like Smeekle Martin Green as Michael Burnham. I think she's a great actress. I she's like the characterization. Actress. I just didn't like the show, and I guess that's where I'm a little old school Trek, was it wasn't focused on a captain. And I guess we have, and, and you know, to be fair, I guess maybe it's grown on me a little bit more because Picard, he's not a captain anymore. No. Um, Lower Decks is no captain. That's the major character. Yeah, it kind of seems like that's the the storyline that they're trying to go through is that maybe the captain isn't such an important character. Yeah. That there's other characters that make the whole entire ship important. That's true. I think that maybe that was hard for me to get used to then, I would say. And then, so I'll retract that. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of it then, but I understand why they're doing it now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it was just kind of interesting to see with Michael Burnham specifically how she really created all this mutiny and, you know, created the Klingon War, and then all of a sudden she's a captain. You know, I I think that there was no real punishment for her. No. She didn't really... She started a war. And yes, I think that the war would have happened anyway. I think that things were boiling over and she was just, you know... The right person at the wrong right, time. Right, exactly. <laughs> right person at the wrong time. And I think it would have happened anyway, but I think that she started a war where, you know, Star Trek, you know, Starfleet wasn't in a in a war at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I actually disagree with you on that. I think she did face a lot of punishment because not only was there a six-month gap between the 
end of the first episode and the second episode where she's in jail for six months. Mm -hmm. But the emotional weight that she carried with herself and the guilt that she kept giving herself. And Spock brings it up really well in the second season. Her character and her her as a person tends to take everything on herself and, and, and blame herself for everything and then try to make everything better by herself. Right. Which is a very human characteristic that a lot of people have, that a lot of people do. Yeah, definitely. So, there's some good characterization there, but, um, one thing I'll say is another hot take, some people don't like him as much, and we talked about it, Saru. I liked him. I like his, Doug Jones has done a great job building that character, even to the point where the way he walks and he swings those lanky long ass arms of his. Yeah. Um, and it, it, at first it's kind of like, that's kind of weird, but now it's just like, that's his character. That's the way his species walks, and since he was the first person of to make that species up, it works. And wasn't one of the short treks about him, how he got on to Discovery in the yeah. first place? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too. Um, just hearing his backstory, because, you know, their civilization didn't know there was anything outside of their world. Yeah. And he figured out everything. Through the oppressive species. <laughs> yeah, through the oppressive species. And, um, and then he ended up being in uh, Discovery because of that. And so... Um, you know, and eventually he ended up, you know, freeing his people mm-hmm. and, you know, they they became part of Starfleet. All right. But I think he I think he did a great job. I really did. Yeah. I think he made a whole new character. I thought it was very interesting. He created a way of walking, a way of talking, a way of thought process, and I thought it was interesting. So we'll we'll wrap up, you know, our hot takes there and we'll jump into our conclusions. And so my conclusion for you, I want to hear your thought on this. Of all the five new series out there, which one's the one you look forward to most every week when it comes on? I would say Discovery. Okay. I really like Discovery. I really find it interesting to see them rebuild Starfleet up to where we're used to seeing it Mm -hmm. when it's been, you know, destroyed so much. Okay. Um, I will say for me, I I still think just because of nostalgia, Picard's my favorite one. Really? I mean, everything I said about, you know, I wish it was better. The fan service and nostalgia for me was, is top notch. Of course. Um, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. I mean, and you, and I had to keep explaining things, you know, and we'll have to go back and watch the next gen episodes for you to be ready for the last episode season with Moriarty coming back and Laura coming back. I know most of, I know, I've seen most of next gen. The problem is, is that when next gen was out, I watched it every once in a while with my stepdad. Yeah. So, if you know, I don't... I've seen a lot of the episodes, but I don't know everything yeah. about Next Gen. Um, but, yeah, Picard, I think, is my number one series in the moment. Um, so, out of all those new characters... All the characters in the, in the new series and the old series, who's the best captain? Pike. All right. 100%. So, he beats Janeway. I, I like him better as a character than Janeway. Janeway's always going to be in my heart as my captain, though. I think it's interesting how they've portrayed Pike, because he knows his future is... It's horrible. It's horrible. He's going to end up in that wheelchair, and, you know, you haven't watched the original series enough to know that he goes to that Talos 4 planet, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. they mind trick him into being a normal person again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the way he's playing that, that guilt that he knows he's going to almost lose his life and, and be crippled, but he doesn't want to change that because he's saving so many people's lives doing it. Yeah. 
Um, he's very noble. He is. I like him. He is a close, close second still to Cisco for me. Yeah, like with Cisco, he was just so decisive. I don't know. I just the, the reason why I liked Jamie so much was because she she led with her heart, and she was a strong woman character. And you didn't really see that in Star Trek before. No, you didn't. You know, you had Kirk, who was kind of chummy with some friend, some of the people, but he was still kind of, this is how it's done, yes or no. Yep. And Picard almost had a little bit of that mindset. Picard's a little bit more soft-spoken, but when he was angry. Yeah, you, you do what Picard says, otherwise yeah. you're big trouble. Um, and the way thing I like about Cisco was he, he had that softer side to him a little bit sometimes with the crew. He still joke with them and have fun with them. But then when he got serious, everyone snapped too real quick. So it, it reminds me of of really good leadership in today's society and, and like good bosses I've had where it's like I can be your friend, I can be chummy with you. But, but I'm still time. your boss. Yeah. Um and I also like how he was not afraid you know, Picard always told the line of this is the Starfleet way, this is the rules. And Cisco was always like, these are the rules, but Sometimes we're going to break the rules to get things done the right way. Yeah. Um, so that's what, one thing I like about Cisco, And I like seeing his character grow. I mean, Picard grew too, but I like seeing him grow a little bit more. Um, and I think as a minority, it was really fun to watch because he represented African-American men. And generally, you didn't see African-American men in the 90s be single dads, yeah. raising, their son, raising their kids right. right. Um, they didn't have those kind of role models on TV. They you know, unfortunately, TV portrayed them as deadbeats who abandoned their kids and yeah. their wives, and the moms had to raise kids. So I, I really like that kind of aspect to it. And it kind of not that I had that home situation, but it it was nice to see that be on TV and be portrayed as this is a strong brown man raising his son by himself because his wife died um, through no fault of his own, and he's got to juggle being in charge of the space station. Lead a war and raise a sunlight, and also be the emissary. And be the emissary and just be a badass. Yeah, no, I I think Cisco's a great captain, and I I don't negate that. But um, just think about you know Janeway in the nineties. Um, women were also not portrayed as no, they weren't as you know really strong characters. A lot of times they were second to men characters, mm-hmm. and um, so here she was you know, forging this path, being like, hey, I'm going to do what I need to do and have these Starfleet values and you got to do what I say. And you didn't see that in society at that time. No, you didn't. She definitely um, helped a generation of women, I think, take science careers, take leadership careers and be a good role model for, for your generation, our generation as well. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, so, Megan, I think that will wrap us our discussion on Star Trek and the new Treks right now. Um, But before we go, we like to give our Geek Recommendation of the Week. It's time for the Geek Rec of the Week. What are the geeks going to recommend? So, um, I'll start with my Geek Recommendation of the Week. Um, We watched it together, and we don't have to go into depth about it. My Geek Rec of the Week, for everyone to go out there and watch on Disney Plus right now, is the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Um... Not a necessary story that we needed to further the plot of the MCU along, but it was a fun story because it didn't further the plot along. Yeah. It was kind of just a, there. It was there. And there was Kevin Bacon just randomly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that it didn't focus on Quill so much. 
Because we both agree we don't like Chris Pratt that much anymore. No. <laughs> um, it was nice to see Drax and Mantis kind of get this the the star power. Yeah. Um, you didn't see Rocket too much or Groot or no. Nope. You didn't. You only heard about Gamora. So it was nice to see two of the lesser Guardians. I wouldn't say lesser, but not as much screen time as the other ones get. Have a moment in the sun. Yeah. Yeah, um, my geek wreck of the week is something that you've already talked about. I've been watching Korra again. Okay. I love Korra. Um, <laughs> the first Airbender is always going to be. <laughs> oh, you can say that. <laughs> I know you can say. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I do like Korra. I think it's interesting, and I always see something new and different. And I just think it's a great series. And if you're an Airbender fan and you haven't watched Korra, definitely watch Korra. Yeah. Good. So, I'm just going to ask you this question right now. I know it's not what we're talking about this week. Let's talk about Korra for two seconds. When you watch Korra the first time, I know you didn't like it as much as Avatar. Right. Has it grown on you through more watchings? Yes. It has grown on me a lot more. I think the reason why I didn't like it as much as I did with the Airbender was because I felt like they jumped through... Here we didn't have cars. All of a sudden we have cars. Like I felt like their progress was just way too fast, and I didn't wasn't expecting that. So that you have that steampunk type of okay. feel to it. Um, so it was really hard for me to kind of get out of that whole mindset of here we are. We don't have cars. We we travel by foot or air bison or and whatever. Now, and now six years later, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Hey, fair enough. Um, I'm glad that. My love for Korra and that the fact that she's a better avatar is slowly rubbing she's off not, on you. She's not a better avatar. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have a fight about that for like the rest of our lives. I know, I know. One day I'll convince you. <laughs> no. I'm going to convince our daughter that Korra is a better avatar because she's a strong female character like Janeway. Okay, okay. I mean, I won't. I mean, she she can make her own decision. That Korra's better avatar. No. Nope. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that wraps up our episode today of... Star Trek New Trek. Um, I want to thank you, Megan, for coming on short notice and and filling fun. in today. And um, hopefully, you had fun, and you'll be back yeah. for other episodes. And yeah, definitely. You know, I know you and, and you and Adam's girlfriend want to do a girls episode and tell us why we're dumb boys. Oh yeah, definitely. We love <laughs> to talk about that. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of uh, Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Follow us, like us, subscribe to us on all social media platforms at Geek Drink Pod. Um, as well as listen, uh, subscribe to our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. Um, other than that, I think that's been our show this week. Thank you again, Megan, for joining us. Yeah, no problem. All right, folks. Well, you guys have a great geek week. I'm going to do an Adam. Take it easy. <laughs> all right. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. <laughs>